Please be aware that in this episode, we will be discussing suicide. My message is this, stay. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your brain is telling you, stay. Skyway Girl. listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter, because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. I learned that countless people were jumping from the Sunshine Sky Bridge. It was almost a daily occurrence. I had to do something. I grabbed paper, markers, and tape and started cutting the papers and wrote 200 different words of inspiration, hope, encouragement, and my phone number. I called a friend of mine and asked her to come with me to tape the paper signs to the Skyway Bridge. She had zero hesitation and went. We taped them to both the north and south sides of the bridge on the wall people would jump off of. My phone rang off the hook and my texts were almost unmanageable. The signs were torn down the same day, but the impact was already made. So I knew those signs made a difference for hundreds of people in that short time. I contacted FDOT and begged. Actually, I demanded. They placed permanent plaques on the bridge with messages of hope and the suicide prevention hotline. Another organization was urging them to do the same. I was all over the news and became very known as the Skyway Girl. I started holding up large handwritten signs at intersections for people to read making signs with wooden stakes and large handwritten signs with different messages of hope around town. A few months later, after countless news articles and interviews, viral posts, I finally got word that the permanent plaques were being placed on the bridge. Not too long after that, there was also a barrier installed. The number of jumps drastically dropped. So tell me about going back. So there was a few times that I went back because there was multiple times I would go up there and sit and contemplate it. And I just couldn't do it, mm-hmm. which is where the overdose attempts came into place. There was a song that specifically played and I have it tattooed on my arm. Now the lyric that I have tattooed is show me how big your brave is. And it has a music note and then it has a semicolon and that song played on the radio. And I to this day, if I'm upset, it somehow finds its way onto the station. I'm flipping through and then I'm just blaring my radio because that song just got me through so much in my life. But that's besides the point. But that that was how I ended up back on the bridge. I was constantly going back and thinking about doing it. And I just, I couldn't. And then after that last attempt, I told myself that I would never do it. It would never happen again. And the day after my birthday, I kept seeing people not like physically, but like hearing news stories. This person jumped from the skyway. This person jumped from the skyway. 24-year-old man's jump from the Skyway. Traffic on the Skyway Bridge is at a halt because there's a potential jumper. Like it was every day, multiple times a day or every other day, multiple times a week. And it broke me like to every fiber of my being was just like shattered. And I was like, oh my God, why is nothing happening? Like 
no one's talking about it except for, well, oh, well, like it's just another person that didn't want to be here. And they're just horrible about it. So I don't even know like how this thought came into my brain, but it was just like a light switch came on. And I was like, you always looked for a sign. And I would always say like, if there's a sign out there, like now's the time I need that sign. And I was like, maybe they're all looking for a sign. And then no one's giving it to them because no one's pulling over and everyone's just driving right by them. I surely can't sit up at the top of the bridge and wait for people. So I was like, what can I do to do something? So I took out like printer paper and like a pen and a Sharpie. And I cut it all into pieces and like 200 little rectangles like this, tiny little things. And I called a friend and I was like, we're going to the bridge. And she's like, oh God, what do you mean we're going to the bridge? And I was like, no, not like that. And she's like, oh, okay, good. And I was like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm eh, but like, I'm here. I'm not going to, don't worry about that. And she's like, okay, well, what are we going to the bridge for? And I showed her that I had over 200 signs with different inspirational messages, different quotes, my phone number, the national suicide hotline, and just different messages of hope and quotes of like, like I've said earlier, like there is light at the end of the tunnel. You just have to keep going. You can't sit in darkness and expect the light to just make its way to you. You have to go to it. Like you can't just sit there. You have to keep going or the super traditional. If you're looking for a sign, this is it. And I wrote my phone number on it and I literally taped it across going North, going South on both sides of the bridge. And that is where the signs started. And the bridge became like a big part of my life. So what happened from there? People took your number. A lot of people took my number just going over the bridge. The one time the whole thing was super ironic, actually. Like I was with my friend Bree and I love her to pieces. She's still a really good friend of mine. We drove over. I love like skydiving and stuff, but I'm absolutely petrified of heights. Like I am not even kidding. I kid you not. I would look and I was like crab walking from like my door to the side and like slapping the sign on the cement and then like crab walking back to the car. Because I was like, oh my God, it was horrifying. And we got over. And I had a tire that was popped and then my phone rang. So we're going like two miles per hour and we finally stop. I, at this point did not know how to change a tire. I was like panicking. I was like, Oh my God, I'm not going to be able to put these signs on the other side. So we get out, I'm bawling. And then somebody calls my phone and it was somebody that was working the skyway security, which I didn't even know was a thing. They have security because so many people jump. Is that correct? Yes. Which I, like I said, I didn't even know that was like a thing like that. And he called me and he was like, did you just put signs up here? And I was like, oh God. And I thought I was going to get in trouble. I was like, yeah. And he was like, did you know the person that jumped the other night? And I said, no, I did not. Cause I didn't. And I was like, I just saw it and I wanted to do something. And this is all I could think of to do. Cause I, nobody can really do much of anything. And he started crying. He told me that he himself thought about jumping that day and chose not to because of the sign that I put up there. And that will forever stick with me. It's not that I necessarily changed his mind. Something in the universe put me on this path that day in that moment with those signs on his path, on his journey to merge and see each other in that moment. And that was what he needed. And to go back to words have power. They were written. Words. Right. They were, it was words. It was just words. But they're powerful very powerful people say things and they throw words around like they're just words yeah and it's not just words because your words can heal somebody they could break somebody they could be the breaking straw for so many different things Mm -hmm. and he cried and he 
told me that he saw the guy the night before and he tried to stop him and he couldn't. Mm. And he was carrying that. He was carrying it like a backpack and he felt horrible and he felt responsible to an extent because he wasn't able to get to him. He said this man turned around, looked at him and then just jumped off. And that was it. And he thanked me for putting up the signs. He took a picture of it. He sent me the picture of his hand on the sign. It's in my folder somewhere. I've got a lot of pictures of the signs, but I never deleted it. I never will. Other people started calling me. Somebody posted a picture. So I posted a picture of the signs and that's how the story kind of got around. And whenever I had my tire that was popped, it was actually a licensed mental health technician that helped me change my tire, which it was all so incredibly bizarre. The way that it all happened for it to make an impact within 20 minutes. And then the one person that is able to stop and help me change my tire just so happens to work in mental health. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. Go finish putting up the signs. A cop pulls up behind us on the way. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get arrested. They're going to think I'm littering. They're going to think I'm doing something insane. And I'm like looking over my shoulder as this cop's like running my plate. And I only had like two signs left. And at this point I was like bound and determined to make sure I got every single sign up. So I grabbed tape and I'm watching him look at me and Bree's like, Tiffany, you're going to get in trouble. I was like, no, I'm not. It's fine. And I taped it and I just walked over and I smacked it on the like concrete and I sat back down in my car <laughs> and he walks up and he's like, Larry just told you you're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> I was like, I'm only sorry. Two more. I only had two more. He's like, I just had two more. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was like, I have to finish. And he didn't touch the signs. F dot came along later on and tore them down because it was paper. It's not like environmentally friendly. I get it. Mm -hmm. I was just angry because I knew that it mattered. and I knew that it was making a difference. So those were torn down and me being headstrong and being like, well, it made a difference. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to do it again. I wrote as many people as I could find. I'm pretty sure I wrote the mayor somewhere in my emails. I just looked up everybody that was involved in the city and the state. And I was like, you cannot get rid of me. I am not going anywhere. I will put signs up every single day until there's a permanent sign there because those signs made a difference. Yeah. And I started writing the same messages on bigger pieces of construction paper that you would get for like a kid's project, the whole the big things. And I would write it and I would put them on like these little wooden stakes and I would place them around all these different parking lots or different parks and different malls and different places that people would be traffic lights. And I started seeing people take pictures of them and being shared all over social media. And I was like, okay, these, it makes a difference. It matters. It's helping. It's a good thing. So I emailed everybody and I was like, until there's a sign, I will not stop. And then I found out that another organization was also in the process of telling them like, no, it's a good thing. We need to do something. So now there are permanent plaques on the Skyway Bridge with the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It took a while, but they're there and it matters. And what do these signs say? So some of them have that super cliche, if you're looking for a sign, this is it, quote on there, which I love because it's mm -hmm. true. That's on there. Another one has just like the Suicide Prevention Hotline number. I think there's a total of like four on each side and they're on the very top. But beggars can't be choosers. I just wanted some permanent signs up there. <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My final suicide attempt. Despite that, I was still struggling. I was still in an incredibly toxic marriage, a mom of three, and felt like I was failing my children. My fourth and final attempt was probably my scariest simply because it was so easy for me to slip back into that mind state. After him telling me he wouldn't care if I never came home again and his family telling me that my kids would be better off without me, I lost it. I tried to walk in front of a truck, but I was pretty much tackled. I remember begging them to just let me go and let me leave. After all, I wasn't worth anything in my mind or in the mind of the people who were supposed to love me. I ended up in the hospital and again, I was so good at saying it was a lapse in judgment. They released me. I started planning to leave my abusive relationship, but had to do it carefully so I didn't end up homeless. It took me two years to finally have the ability to leave. I've actually attempted suicide a total of four times. Obviously, I'm still here, so it was unsuccessful. The majority of mine were overdose attempts. Some of them were I fell asleep before I could finish taking the rest. I would wake up the next day super mad, thankful now, but mad at that point, and try again. Or Mm. I would take a bunch of stuff, and then I would go drink a whole lot, and then come back and take some more stuff, and then wake up in the hospital to, to, like you said, getting my stomach bumped, and it was horrible. There was one incident, the most recent one was a couple years ago where I was at church. I'm going to try not to cry because this one was like the most recent. It was bad. And I was in a really bad spot. I have three kids at this point and I was with somebody. This isn't me bashing my ex-husband. He's not a bad person. He has his own trauma Mm -hmm. and hurt people tend to hurt people. It's not an excuse to be a bad human and to do bad things to people, but that's just the reality of it. People that are hurt tend to hurt other people. They don't realize that they're projecting their pain onto other people. Absolutely. Which is what he was essentially doing. That was his entire family. And I went to church and I love music. So when they're all singing, music was kind of like my escape and I just shut down everything and I just listened to the words and I just kind of get away in my head like that. I sat down and I looked at my phone. I had all these missed phone calls and I had these texts because he wasn't feeling good. And he thought I needed to come home immediately because he wasn't feeling good. And his sisters, both of them, he has an older sister and a younger sister started texting me and telling me that my kids would be better off without me. And that I was a horrible mom. That I was a horrible wife. And that I was just this terrible person. And he texted me. And I was kind of hoping that he would give me some reassurance of like, that's not the case. I'm just really not feeling good. Can you please come back to the house? And I would have jumped in my car and been gone because what I always did. But instead, I was getting messages from him as well, telling me that I hope you don't even come home. Like, I hope you never come back. And I was like, okay, like, do you really mean that? And he knew my history. He knew what I went through. I've known him since we were 15. So he knew everything. and. For him to say that and to tell me, I still have these messages. And he flat out told me his exact words were, I don't know why I treat you the way that I do, but I can tell you one thing for sure. The only way I will ever be better is when you're not here, whether that's on this earth or not. Mm. And those were his exact words. And I lost it. Immediately, everything that I went through from 16 to that day just came rushing back into my head, into my chest, into my stomach. And every part of my body was just 
so heavy. I was exhausted and I was like, I can't do this. If my kids are going to be better, then that's all I need to know. Because I wanted my kids to have better and do better and be better than anything I could ever give them. And I tried to jump in front of a semi truck. Wow. And I was stopped. And a lot of people were there to like pick me up and keep me away from the roads. And I ended up hospitalized. So this is where that narcissistic trait comes in from people that were like my ex at the time. He showed up to the hospital and talked to the psychiatrist. I was like, oh no, she's fine. She was just having a bad moment. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what that was. When in my head, I wanted to get out and try again because I just failed. And everybody was telling me how horrible of a mom I was, how bad of a person I was. My husband at the time was telling me that he's never going to be better unless I'm not on this earth. So of course I'm like, well, of course you're going to come up here and try to get me out because you want me to not be here. Like it was just toxic and horrible. And I was never perfect. And I will never claim to be, we were toxic for each other. We were hurting from different things. So we hurt each other in different ways. For him to say it was a moment to even have a moment like that, again, there's a lot behind even just that one moment. In my opinion, nobody has, oops, that was just a moment. Like it takes a lot to get there, in my opinion, Yeah, right? You don't just wake up and go, you know what? Today's the day that I'm just gonna do this because I can. Like that's not how this works. No, not at all an oopsie. I wish no. <laughs> more people understood the power behind their words. I am somebody... As a writer and stuff, I'm very careful with my words. And sometimes I'll say something like, you know what, that's not the word I meant to use. Or, you know, I don't know mm -hmm. if I said that right, because there's just so much power behind words. Yeah. We can use our words to really hurt people or to help heal people. I don't think people get that. They don't. People have no idea how they much are. weight. They have no idea how much weight their words carry. And I have that conversation with so many people. I'm like, do you realize what you're saying? Or yeah. is it after you're mad, after you have your blackout rage and you say all these hurtful things, you're like, oh, I didn't mean any of that. Okay, well, now it's too late. Well, yeah, it's already said. And once said, you can't untake it. You can apologize for sure for saying mean things, but you can't undo the damage that it did. Just wish more people understood that. For me, I'm so glad that I learned when I was younger about words having power. And even when I would say something, then I would regret it. I hated having to regret that what mm -hmm. I did or what I said. And so for me, I learned that when my emotions are running high and I want to say something that I know is going to be hurtful or mean, I don't. Because usually when we just sit on it for a minute and let those emotions calm down, we realize that we are not even going to say anything near what right. we would have said and how we would have said it. I'm not someone who thinks, so oh, everybody in the world is hurting, but I'm also not someone who thinks everybody in the world is happy. I think there's a, right. you've got a lot of hurting people and you've got a lot of people who are doing okay. Like you said, it is true. As much of a Pinterest quote and cliche and we hear it all the time is hurt people do hurt people. They do. Like it just is what it is. And so when people are going around spouting off nasty words and this and that, it doesn't mean it doesn't sting any less. I'm like, ow, you're hurting. It took me leaving to see that a lot of my struggles were coming from my surroundings. I had never fully healed from my past trauma. I was screaming from the rooftops that everyone is loved, but also had in my mind everyone except me. I got back into therapy and got back to putting signs up. I made my organization nonprofit and partnered with people to have shirts, bracelets, and tumbler cups made. 
All of the proceeds went directly back into the community by helping others in their mental health journey. For some, that's transportation to an appointment and covering expenses for therapy. For others, it's assistance filling medication. It's having the ability to go to wherever they are and simply being there for them to have someone to lean on, talk to, and listen to them no matter where they are. I still have a lot of healing to do for myself, but I know part of the reason people struggle with mental health is because of the stigma around it. No one discusses depression, anxiety, PTSD, or other mental health conditions until it's too late. With suicidology, people often refer to it as attention-seeking. When it's discussed, but once the act is done and that person is no longer here, everyone says it's a tragedy no one saw coming. That person more than likely showed signs, symptoms, reached out, and felt ignored. People see it coming, but sweep it under the rug. They don't listen. So I started my organization in hopes to break that stigma and make a difference. I'm also pushing for mental health treatment accessibility. It shouldn't cost what it costs to help. It shouldn't be a year-long wait list to get in somewhere. People also shouldn't be slapping medication on every person. Therapy is huge, and getting to the root of the cause of things and teaching people how to cope with their mental health is key. Yes, medication is necessary for a lot of people, and that's okay. But so many doctors are so quick to write a prescription and give zero information regarding therapy or counseling. Schools should be discussing mental health as well. So many children are experiencing depression and anxiety or other thoughts that could be a direct cause of a mental health condition. But because it's something that isn't talked about, children don't know how to talk about it. I know that for myself, I had no idea what different mental health conditions were out there or what it was like to have depression or PTSD until I struggled with it myself. Teaching children to talk about their feelings and creating a space for them to discuss things that might be a little uncomfortable could be something that helps so many people as they grow up. I can personally say that being forcibly institutionalized is not always the answer, and the way that a lot of facilities handle people does not work well with people who are already hurting emotionally. Locking somebody in a mental room with no clothing besides a gown that's hardly covering them is not humane. Medicating somebody to the point of them feeling numb and then releasing them back into society with zero coping skills is not an appropriate way to handle it either. The goal with my organization is to cause enough commotion that the world will listen. To make so many people comfortable with something that's typically an uncomfortable topic. That the person in charge who can make decisions with society and the system, those people listen, make, and force changes. People in charge who can make decisions within society and the systems, those people listen, make, and force changes. People are dying every day at their own hands, and it's one of the least talked about topics. Children in elementary school are taking their own lives due to bullying and treatment they are experiencing at home, yet nobody is talking about it and nobody's doing anything. As a mom of three, my heart breaks every single time I read a story like that because I can't imagine my children feeling so alone at such a young age that they feel the need to take their own life.
So what was your turning point? Because you have been through so much. You have attempted mm-hmm. suicide multiple times. Yep. Have you had a turning point? Do you think that moving forward, that is not your solution? Or where are you at with everything? I wish I could give you an actual like solidified answer with like an actual truth behind it. But that's something that I don't think I'll ever have is like actual closure on the things I went through where I had this like huge epiphany of, Oh, this is all I have to do to be okay. I didn't get that. And I think I expected that type of thing because as you hear about that so often, I had this huge point in my life where I realized, Oh my God, it's all going to be okay. And I didn't have that. But what I did have is a really good support system. And I had my kids who looked up to me every single day and gave me the cutest little, I love you so much and the hugs and the kisses and people that told me how much of a difference those signs were making with just words on them, that those were all like kind of small components that meant a lot to me that kind of became the big moment within itself. It wasn't just a single moment. It was multiple things that I saw and dealt with along my journey that I could pick up and go, okay, so this is a good reason to stay. It was just like a lot of different things that kind of came to light for me. Like I said, my kids, my mom, my dad, my friends, my family, and people that were telling me how much they looked forward to driving certain places because they knew that my signs would be out there. And people reaching out to me and telling me, Hey, like I got into therapy because of that sign. Like I was driving to go do this or think about doing this. And I saw your sign on the way and I realized that I can't stay. And that is some of the best things I've ever had happen in that way. I don't think it was ever one specific moment in my life that was a turning point for me. I think it was the buildup of a lot of different points that made me realize that my story might have been hard, but it still had a reason behind it. Mm-hmm. And that was it for me. The small moments matter. And I think, like you said, not everyone is going to have that huge epiphany turning point that they can pinpoint. Yours were a bunch of little moments added up over time, kind of like right. the compound effect to make the big difference. So I love that you mentioned that. Tell me about the nonprofit Signed With Love. What is that about and what do you guys do? So it's been a long time coming for sure. Our biggest goal is to discuss mental health as often as possible. And we're trying to look at like different ways to get laws involved. Cause like I said before, it's not even talked about in school. Most people don't even know what depression is. Kids don't have never even heard of depression until they're going through it. And then it's like, Oh, this does not feel nice. And no one's taught coping skills. Nobody's taught that therapy is okay. It's just self-taught. So we're trying to push for different laws to be put into the system and different ways that mental health can be more accessible. And it shattering the stigma is the biggest goal. Cause again, men are pretty much silenced and children have no idea what any of these things are and what mental health is until it's sitting on their plate in front of them and they have no idea what to do with it. So definitely getting that stigma out of there is the biggest goal because without that stigma is when change is going to happen with that stigma there and these horrible views and the negative mindset people have on mental health and people thinking that we just choose to wake up and be sad is 
and it's just nothing's ever going to change the shaming i think that's a big part of it and has the ripple effect right is the shame absolutely and I think that's what drives silence is people don't want to be shamed. They don't want to be picked apart. They don't want to be questioned. They just want help. Right. And nobody can really get that because I know my insurance is crap and it doesn't cover mental health. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who don't have insurance and it's, oh, well, it's, we don't have insurance, but we can offer you a sliding scale. If I can't even afford insurance, what makes you think I can afford a sliding scale of like $80 a week or a hundred dollars a month, especially if there's other responsibilities involved, like most adults have as other responsibilities and obligations, which is ultimately another thing that keeps people from talking about their problems because they feel like it's too hard to talk about it because they can't get the help they need. Yeah. And then a lot of people are just throwing medications out there and I'm like, that's another thing. What encouraging words could you leave with anyone listening to this for someone who is struggling or thinking about suicide? Do you have any words you could leave them? You're not alone. And I know that you feel like you are because it's a really lonely spot and it's a scary spot and it's super dark, but it's not going to get better unless you stay. And again, passing that pain down. I know that people think that that's going to help and that's going to get rid of your pain, but it's not, it's just, it really is passing it to so many people. And that is such an overwhelming feeling that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And I wouldn't wish the feeling of feeling like your only escape is to not be here on anybody either, because that is the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. So staying and talking about it is huge. Whether it's journaling, write your feelings down in a journal and talk to yourself and be gentle with the way that you talk to yourself because nobody's ever going to talk to anybody as often as you talk to yourself. Nobody's going to talk to you as often as you talk to yourself subconsciously. Every day you are talking to yourself, whether you're looking in the mirror or you're watching TV and you're thinking, did I do this today? Like you talk to yourself 24 seven. So being gentle with yourself, being gentle with the way you view yourself, being gentle with the way that you talk to yourself and you treat yourself is huge. And making sure that you have a big support system is huge, whether it's one person or 40, all of that matters. Like that's the thing is so many people don't realize how not alone they actually are. You're not alone. And there are so many people out there that want to see you get better and want to see your life get better. You just have to stay. You have to choose to stay because ultimately you absolutely deserve a better life, a way better ending than that. Way better. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I really enjoyed getting to just chat with you and connect with you and just hear from your voice, what you've been through your story, but that it didn't end there. You are going on and you are helping people and serving people who are walking the path that you once walked. So thank you so much for being willing to share. My message is this, stay. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your brain is telling you, stay. There will be a day that these changes happen, but I cannot get these changes to happen alone. There will be a day that life gets better, 
and you all deserve to see life get better, but you have to stay. Times may be hard, and things may get dark, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. I know you're sane, but the light is so far, Tiffany. I know, but you will never get to the light at the end of the tunnel by staying in the same place. You have to keep walking. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to rest, but you cannot stay in the dark place without moving forward. You have to stay and keep going. You are worthy of a better life. You are worthy of a better mental health standpoint. You are worthy of happiness and all the good things you want in life. You deserve to be here. And you are somebody's somebody. Your existence matters. Your life matters. Your feelings matter. You matter. You may feel like no one cares, but I'm telling you right now, I care. That's exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. If people can hate for no reason at all, then I can love you and every other person reading this because you deserve that. Signed, with love, Tiffany, Skyway Girl. If you or anyone you know has experienced sexual assault and needs help, you can reach out to the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. You can dial or text 988 for the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Help is available. Please reach out if you need it and choose to stay. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness. Kindness.